two guys with me um, from North Idaho down here. You guys have been out here for a couple years now. Two and a half years. Too long. Too long. Yeah. <laughs> so start off with introductions. Um, Brennan Kedish and Daniel Whitesett. Mm -hmm. We're happy to be here. Happy to be here, yeah. So we went out today and it's it had been fairly nice weather. And then the week I come down here to hang out with you guys, <laughs> it turns cold. It's like 17 degrees starting out and then it, it kind of warmed up. Yeah, I think it's like a high of 32 today. Yeah. yeah. Feels, feels like with <laughs> about two some, or three degrees yeah. this morning. So. Usually almost 60. A little bit chilly. Yeah, so we hit up some, <laughs> they were just kind of some residential ponds, right? Yeah. You got permission on Yeah, springs-fed ponds through the Platte River there, so. So what? what's all in there? From what I've been told and what I've caught out of there, it's been catfish, grass carp, common carp, bass, Supposedly, on one of the ponds, there was some gar, just kind of assortment, black crappie, just about. So, is this still considered a good time of year to be carp fishing, or is it kind of tapering off? Mm, it's tapered off. Yeah, definitely it's, tapering off. The hotter, the better, from mm -hmm. at least what Daniel and I have done this last summer. Just like, fishing more active? Yeah, mm -hmm. well, the hottest day when I was like 94, 95 degrees, dying, but yeah. both... <laughs> caught two massive massive carp on the fly which is crazy right and you're targeting them fly fishing yep and that is weird down here it's very weird people think we're like uh yeah some <laughs> jedis out there or maybe uh ribbon dancers or something waving our fly <laughs> <or something. laughs> we're a rare breed for sure yeah. <laughs> so have you ran into any other locals that are fly fishing and yeah we've made we've made uh a couple friends uh uh, out there fishing with us. Jason's one of the mm -hmm. guys that we've fished with. We've met out here. He's a, uh, well, he's from Florida, right? He's from Florida. Yep. Yeah. And he, he's out here in Omaha and he's a fly fisherman and somehow we all hooked up and we fish and we've seen a couple. There's so most fly fishermen are yeah. imported. Yes. They're, <laughs> they're pretty not. much. Yeah. They're yeah. not. <laughs> and the ones that are locals are, uh, they're an interesting crew for sure. Yeah. Well, you guys still have like six months here. So we wait yeah. to, Talk about the locals until you move away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we have a huge audience, but <laughs> those locals, I tell you what. No, it's a, it's everyone we've met's been super awesome though. Yeah. So when you're targeting carp, what are you doing? I mean, versus when you're up in the northwest. So for... yeah, in my experience with with carp, I I got started fishing for carp uh, down in southeast Idaho in the Snake River. Okay. Um, and again, most of it was, or well, really it's all sight fishing. Uh, it's still the way I do it here, but, uh, it's, it's a lot more difficult to sight fish carp here when you have next to no visibility. So yeah, you just got mud. Exactly. It's just mud water. So you kind of, every so often you'll get, you'll find some spots where you have, you know, half a foot of visibility or enough to see, see where the fish are at. But a lot of times you'll just... You know, you, it's, it's all sight fish, though. It's all yeah. sight fish. So you're kind of waiting for a fish to cruise by, Make. get ahead of them, mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. to hit them in the nose. Yep. And yeah. You watch their, if you watch, watch for the tail come up and set the hook. 
Yep. So, so they've grabbed it and they're diving down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of like their feet. Yeah, you, you'll see them, uh, we call it tailing, where where they'll be uh, rooting around for, for something on the bottom. You can see their tails stick up out of the out of the water, and that's that's how you know they're usually feeding. But, that or they're surfing the surface with their mouth wide open, yep. just kind of <laughs> grabbing whatever comes in. And a lot of times that's how I've hooked up on two big ones, mm-hmm. was just they're cruising with mouth open, just kind of plopped it right in front of them. And, just slide it right yeah. there. Snag them in. That's funny. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Uh, I will say that the carp here are much less aggressive visually than uh, they are back in Idaho. It was, it was much more challenging here to catch to catch big carp than it is there for sure. Anything that's more just water clarity? I, I think so. I think uh, my theory at least is that they are a lot – they they use their – yeah, they're a lot more scent oriented when they're when they're feeding versus sight oriented, and so you know using an artificial fly, you're, you know I could you could probably catch fifty in an yeah. hour with a piece of corn on the end of your hook, but mm-hmm. you know that that might make it a little less fun. Yeah, right, <laughs> not challenging. Why we haven't done it yet though? Yeah, I still I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> we just have a day of doing it, right? Or maybe the hot dogs. I don't know. The hot uh, dogs hot might dogs. work. Those hot dogs are looking good. They were looking good. They yeah. were not to the fish, dog. but they look good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might, before we get off this podcast, I might have a hot dog challenge. We might all have to eat one of those hot dogs. Oh, God. The, uh, Depending on how this goes. If it goes <laughs> yeah. well, we won't have to. If we need some content, we'll get the hot dogs out. Uh, the Kool-Aid dogs, man. Yeah. Cool. So we went out this morning, basically, and we were targeting weird, whatever was going to bite, but bass, um, carp. And catfish were the three species we thought we might run into. So I went ahead and soaked some hot dogs in some Kool-Aid mix. And they're pretty good looking. They're like bright, bright pink and purple and red. If I were catfish, I would. I know, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what their problem was. (laughs) And then you actually caught a bass today. I caught a bass. And it was a decent sized bass. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It it was... We didn't get the full on skunk, so, so at least we... We got one fish to hand with with photo evidence. I noticed yeah. you <laughs> fought it for a while, probably thinking it would be your only fish of the day. Oh, so yeah. You were I, had to, soaking <laughs> it in. I, I had to make it. Just loose drag. Loose, loosen that drag all the way up. Had to, yeah, had to bask in it for, for a second there. But, uh, yeah, we, we got him we got him to hand, though. It was, uh, it, it was an all right fish. It was a bass. I haven't caught a bass on a fly in a long time, so that was something new for me. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't even caught a bass on the fly here, to be honest. I don't know how. So. Oh, you haven't yet. I haven't. I, I, I mean, I haven't really targeted them. Yeah. But yeah. So you mainly been targeting carp, and then mm-hmm. you did you catch a gar? Are you I've, both caught gar? Oh, mm-hmm. gars like dime kind of, dozen. Dime, yeah. Yeah, they're more common everywhere. It's yeah. almost like you're going for carp. Mm-hmm. You throw to the carp. A gar comes up and takes your hook. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like whatever movement touches around those fish, they just snap at it, probably out of instinct, and mm-hmm. they'll just take it. A lot of times, like, you don't have them on all the way to the shore, but... It's hard to, hard to set a hook yeah. into them because they're, they're so bony. bony. Yeah. But they're... Uh, well, what? A lot of people around here, they if they, you know, want to kill, kill an hour or two, they'll tie a piece of string to the end of their line without even a hook. Mm-hmm. And these gar, it wraps in their teeth. Oh. And so they that's yeah. considered a better way to catch them than trying to mm-hmm. set a hook into their jaw. So. so you were you said something about using like a shoelace. 
Yeah, you, like, so last shoe year. And you like fray it up real good. Yeah, I tried it out. Yeah, you just take a comb and you fray it out really nice and smooth, like real fine fibers. And I haven't caught one on that. I watched my buddy hook up on one that way. And at the end, you're pretty much taking a pair of scissors, and that's a one use lure once it's caught up in those teeth. Right, because you're not going <laughs> to just around. Yeah, you just cut them out and let them back in Yeah, I'm not going to get it out of that. Huh. But they're they're interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think. They they're definitely probably one of the nastiest fish that I've caught. Oh, they're yeah. pretty cool, but it's it I their scales are just as sharp as their teeth are, so it's <laughs> <Yeah>. uh kinda <laughs> Uh, it's almost use your foot to get the uh, <laughs> step on it. Yep, hold them down, grab the pliers, yeah. pull the hook out, and send them on their way. Because man, they can cut you up pretty good. They're a pretty hardy fish, though. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, you could it's not like messing with trout in the northwest no. where you're like you could death grip those things and they'll just be like, oh, that's cool, man. Well, it's it's kind of I mean, it's like a carp or a catfish. I mean, you could probably set it on shore for an hour and probably still swim away mm-hmm. if you put it back in the water. To be honest, right. but mm-hmm. yeah, no, definitely. Definitely different than than handling a trout for sure. And you both have caught the catfish on the fly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of surprising. Yeah. Yep. Definitely kind of didn't a, expect it. Right. Because hard. It's it's harder to target them when in in uh, in terms of fly fishing at least because they're a lot of times they're kind of just they're ambush predators. So they're mm-hmm. I mean if but a lot of times they're more again scent oriented. So you kind of got to put it right in front of their face and it's yeah. Uh, yeah. But if they'll take it, they'll take your fly just as you know, just as hard as a trout would or yeah, a bass or anything mm-hmm. else. It's a good fight. Oh yeah, like That's definitely. Like yeah, kind of like what is on the end of my line? You can tell it's different. No way, it's not a like, carp. Yeah, you can it's tell like, it's fighting dogging right? too much. Like with carp, they'll just run. <laughs> yep. All you're doing is like back and forth, back mm-hmm. and it's running. Yeah. Keep get up, seeds that net, and you jet halfway across the river again. Then you just take them on back. I didn't really realize um, that catfish were considered more of a predator fish. Until I started kind of researching mm-hmm. more of them when you guys were moving down here. Um, but yeah, I thought they were kind of just a... They, I mean, sure, they still do pick a lot of stuff up off the bottom, whatever. Like but forage. Yeah. Yeah. Foraging type fish. But they are definitely ambush type predator. I mean, they're just as much of a you know carnivore as any other fish out there. In fact, I, bet, I mean, they're pretty much the apex yeah, of the, the uh, you know, ecosystem, at least in the Missouri, for sure kind of that top dog predator so when you're catching the carp do they fight quite a bit i mean is it pretty pretty fun or is it they're they're pretty big right i mean at least in my experience it's kind of hit or miss sometimes especially early in the season they can kind of be like reeling in a boot but then yeah just sluggish and and on and even even when it's warm out and it's kind of peak season sometimes they'll you know the they don't really know what's going on it seems like then when they see you and then they, I mean, if they want to take off, they will take off. And there's nothing, I mean, I, I have the, <laughs> I have the drag cranked on my eight weight. And there's times when, I mean, that buffalo I caught was probably 20, 20 plus pounder. Yeah. And man, that thing just screamed. And you caught one just as big on a five weight. Yeah. Which was even <laughs> crazier. Yeah. But. Well, you had been, we've been messaging and I said, you know, is an eight weight big enough? Because some of the ones you mm-hmm. see. They're, oh, yeah. they're big fish. Sometimes they're like forty pound fish, or oh, they can they get that big here for sure. But it's like I, I you know, you're I, like, I'm, I'm saying, getting away with the five way or yeah. whatever you said. Yeah. That's a heck okay. of a lot of fun, though. It is like, a five like way running after them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty it's much. It's a good way like, to break a rod, but yeah. uh, it's still fun, though. Oh my gosh, and and honestly, uh, some of the some of the creeks that we fish around here for for carp, which is in my opinion, I, I like fishing moving water a lot more than still water, and 
honestly, a five weight's a better tool for the job just because you can be a lot more um, precise with your casts a more and whatnot. To it. Yeah, because I mean, the thing is, you got to put it. You got about you know a six inch by six inch box where you can put this fly, or else they're not going to take it. Even then, like mm-hmm. our buddy Jason, mm-hmm. literally, right, like ace in the hole, right on that carp's mouth. Just kind of oh. Okay. Like it was in the mouth. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. That, that's exactly like, the thing that is the challenge with them up. here is they, it seems that they, you know, usually it's more, I've noticed, a reaction strike than it is. Because if they have a chance to sit there and they're, you know, they're like, this isn't food. So, right, right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they'll let it go, you know. But if they, you know, if it's got to be a split second thing and they'll turn on it and, and take it. But it's it's been a, a real fun thing. Just to get, you know, a day off of studying for myself or, or you know, get, get outside and do something different for the weekend. But it's, it's not like trout vision for sure. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like going out and uh, catching, a, you know, a large fish or, you know, mm-hmm. when I go hunting, get some game. But lately it's been like I go out to go out. Yep. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's all I really am out there Get a for. break. Well, that's how I felt like today. You know, it was, yeah, I didn't care if we I was pretty content it. today. It yep. was freezing. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if Brian wouldn't have came with yeah. us, I don't think I would have left. <laughs> I mean, you guys have been like, I got my own car. You guys can take off. I'm just yeah. like content Hanging being out there, there, even though it was freezing. Absolutely. Now you said just a little bit ago that you prefer fishing, moving water. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of sat there and thought about it and I kind of tend to, to, be the same way mm-hmm. is that kind of because you can judge more where the fish probably are going to be you can see the out like the layout mm-hmm. of the water and the channels that they're going to be sitting in because a lot of fish will behave very similarly yeah. you know they're they're on the seam where the riffles are coming through sitting there waiting to yeah for sure clean. i mean i moving water it's a lot easier to identify holding water for fish in my opinion i mean granted still water you're going to fish structure you know, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a similar thing for moving water. My, my the thing I like about it is these fish are using the current, the currents, their conveyor belt for their food. So they're sitting there and they're not, they're not searching out food. The food's coming to them. So in theory, if you're, you know, I, to me, I think it's, I mean, it's more challenging for sure in terms of fly placement, but you, I think you have a lot better chance at a hookup, especially with a carp in, in, in the scenario we have here. Um, in moving water because you know again this food's just filtering and flowing mm-hmm. past them and if they see something they're gonna they got a split second to make a decision whether or not they're gonna eat it you're forcing so. them to make that choice right. exactly <laughs> or if it's just still water, water just they like, could just sit there and yeah exactly yeah, avoid you <laughs> yeah that so. one rubber leg's longer than the other yeah <laughs> <laughs> bastard <laughs> you son of a <laughs> nice try sucker i came down here last spring and we chased around some turkeys. That's right. Have you done anything else since, like, uh, hunting-wise? Um, Nebraska, no. I think I went out one more time for turkeys. No luck. It, by the time May, mid-May rolls around, the humidity here just picks up, and everything just grows. It grows, it grows, it grows. You can't. <laughs> yeah. Grass is taller than all the turkeys. They're not really mm-hmm. doing anything. You can hear them. They can be 10 feet from you, and you're not going to see them. Mm-hmm. Um. Other than that, no, I went on an elk trip back in September, back home to Idaho for two weeks. Yeah, how was that? that was oh, so, time. just to let you think about that for a second, um, that was Brendan talking. I, I, We introduced you guys, but I don't think I really gave anyone a chance to like listen to your voices. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, right? Brendan's going, who knew? Yeah. Speaking. So that was Brendan, and he's going to tell us a little about his uh, Idaho elk hunt. 
Yeah, it went mid-September. We always, this is our third year here in Omaha, so I like to try and go back every year to hit that one trip with a really good friend of mine. Usually try and hit it mid second to third week of September. Just seems to be best for us for peak activity. It's kind of hard to say. It all depends on weather and what's going on. Um, it was dry. It yeah. was dry. There was a long fire season this year. Yes. Um, a lot of it. Luckily, like last year, our whole area got closed down, and we ended up sneaking in behind the closed roads, kind of like off another offshoot road, and got back up into the same basin that ended up snowing about that same time. So they opened up their, all the roads anyways, but we went to that same area, and they had strip-logged the entire thing this last summer. That was unhuntable. Like, they didn't leave strips, nothing. It was just totally bare. So we ended up having to kind of spend two or three days looking for elk. We could spot them from across the canyon, no problem. Once we threw a bugle out to them, they would grab all their cows and they would just bail out of the basin. They wanted nothing, nothing to do with to it. Do with it. Mm. No, and like, you know, we're not the best callers, but we're definitely not the worst out there. And the year before, we went every single day getting into bulls, bulls, bulls. And this year, it was a struggle. We ended up moving camp about two to three times up until like midway through and then we bailed out to a whole nother area. But once we got them talking, we could get them in close, but they would always, they were very cautious this year. They didn't want to be messed with. I don't know. It just didn't seem like they wanted to play at all. Do you think they might've been because of the weather and stuff pushing the rut out a little bit? Yeah. They're not heavy into it. Yeah. They're, I mean... We were lucky to get some rain the first week of September the year before. This year is just dry. I say, all re- really way mild through early fall for sure yeah. up there. Yeah, mm-hmm. this has been like the first week that we've really had any type of weather. Uh, I mean, yeah. in the, in Spokane area, Northwest yeah. area. I was say I've seen. Looks like it might start snowing there. Or I think it started. Yep. I think yeah. Yep. Yeah. Get ready. Um. <laughs> But you, when you left, so you had some equipment issues. Yeah, so we were talking about leaving that area anyways and going back to some older stomping grounds that him and I had hunted as like 13, 14-year-old kids and being like, well, we always know there's elk in there. Let's just go back there. Because usually we'd like to try and get away from civilization as much as we possibly can. Like way off the roads, way off everything, just trying to get way into the backcountry. Just kind of take a break. Years are busy. That's the best way to do it. Um, we were talking about it, weren't quite sure. We were gonna go to the glassing point and see what happens. Well, lo and behold, my bowstring snaps. Well, that decided oh, it for us, oh. so <laughs> we spent that whole night driving out, getting back in, didn't get back in till late night. Called my father in law and said, Hey, I need your bow. He's like, I guess, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, why? I, what's I wrong with yours? <laughs> I, was I, like, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't asking. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, I need your bow. He was totally oh, fine right. with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so made sure that was shooting all right, you know, in the headlights in the dark. And then got the next morning and went back after it. Um, it just so happened to rain that next day, which we had a bull come in the next day fast. I don't know. See, he was turned on. He was. He was on the play. A little bit of weather got him. Oh, yeah. This little temperature dropped a little bit. I mean, the two days prior, we were hiking in t-shirts and sweating like crazy to that day. We were both, like, multi-layered. Like, oh, 
you know, like tucking in for the cold and we got him to play late in the evening so about an hour before dark we got him talking and his my friend's father stayed up on top of the ridge and was calling we moved down below to get set up we didn't have time to get set up because we heard the elk call back his dad called and we said okay the next call we'll move forward and split split up let's locate him first called again we moved maybe five feet and he was standing 40 yards so he had sprinted that bullet ran straight up the side of that face to come and check us out so that bullet caught me wide out in the open still didn't really care he saw his head down he was still looking for a tree to go rub his horns on you know just kind of being aggressive didn't i don't think he really knew what i was but he didn't care so I stepped to the side to like get ready to pull my bow back, and then my friend's dad cow calls. And when he cow calls, that bull whips his head around, and makes like direct eye contact. <laughs> oh no! And I was like, kind of had some brush and a little bit of a tree in front of me, and so I just stayed perfectly still. My buddy had managed to work another like twenty, thirty yards off to my left to kind of get around, like just at least get up, set up next to a tree or something. But right when that bull locked eye contact, he ran right at me, sitting maybe six, seven feet in front of me at this point. And I can't was that close? Yeah, that close. Like, oh my gosh. He was right there. Like, there's a tree, a small stump, bull. It's almost like I almost got to reach so out. He was looking him. through you. Look at, yeah, for it's the cow. like, exactly. He didn't know. He knew that something was right in that particular spot. He didn't know what it was. So, as that's happening, you know, it's still pretty dry. It rained, but it's still dry. I hear my buddy pulling his bow back, and there's a couple little twigs like popping as he's pulling it back. And then that bull kind of hears that too, but he's still like looking through me. And then that bull tries, right before he ran off, he just kind of started to tilt his shoulder like he's going to go back downhill. And that's when my buddy's like, oh, that's it. That's my time. So he let an arrow go and right underneath him, just short. Oh, he's missing. Yeah, and he was he was a beautiful six point. Like kind of a little funky looking up on his left side, little weak tops, but still absolute beautiful bull. Like that's that exciting close. though. Yeah. I mean, that's like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. If you oh, went yeah. out and just like hit it hard and not had something like that happen, oh, yeah. that would have been rough. But that... That keeps you coming back for sure. Oh yeah, we and it it's all about, right? Tangling horns with him, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> shaking hands. We thought he was a lone bull, and oh. so he ran down the hill. You know, we're coming down looking for his arrow. I saw him miss, like that arrow go underneath. It buried itself into some brush. So we're looking around for that arrow, and that bull just keeps piping off, piping off, piping off. And we're like, maybe he still wants to play. Went back up to stop, start bugling again, bugle, bugle, bugle. He gets so worked up. My friend's dad's making, like, ridiculous noises. Like, not elk noises, just making noise. And that bull is just <laughs> screaming right back. We hear him ripping stuff up. And that's about when the thermals changed and the wind started going back downhill. We're like, oh, he's going to catch our scent. So me and my buddy ran back up to a logging road, did about half-mile loop back down underneath him. He was kind of in a clear cut, like a second-growth cut between two roads. So we were able to get down, get underneath him. Turns out he was like one of 25 elk sitting, hidden oh. perfectly in these maybe 10 foot tall trees, like super thick. You can't really see into it, just pockets of openings. And it was also the last day of cow season. So I was like, I'll take a cow. I don't care at this point. You know, it's right. been a rough season. Let's just fill some tags. And I can tell there were cows that were bedded about 10, 15 yards in front of me. No shot because it's just a thick wall of trees and you can't move in on them that close. Like it's just not happening. When he started cow calling, maybe he was trying to drag that bull a little bit downhill, and his dad still stayed up top just to keep him distracted. That bull, he just, turns out there's two other bulls sitting in there, right at dark, usually we do like a three bugle, 
call it cuts and we're going to come back the next day. Just get them so worked up. If we make a single noise the next day, that bull's going to be like, oh, you guys. Right. So he did that. Did and then my friend's dad did the three like quick bugle, just like meow, 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 just like quick. That bull grabbed his whole herd and they ran up past him. Just, I don't know if that was the last straw or what, but they just came to him immediately. And he's trying to get on the four-wheeler and get out of there. It's too dark to shoot. Like, oh. <laughs> and he's like, that bull's maybe 15 yards in front of him. And then another smaller one, then another spike ran up behind him, plus multiple cows. But this is past shooting lights. So it's past shooting lights. So he's like, oh, well, well, at least we know we're there. Next day I wake up, that was the day when we had 45, 50 mile per hour winds. Oh, man. And then up on top, the gusts were, I don't even know how like fast the gusts were, but we were watching all day long trees snapping in half out on the clear cuts like on the edges of the cuts and we're just like there's nothing happening today. we were still out all day but those guys i don't even know where those up went they just went for sanctuary just to get out of the weather right a little hidey hole mm-hmm. that's crazy Gosh. sounds like a fun elk hunt though yeah I mean, seems like it's always an adventure for you guys right it is yeah <laughs> nothing's like textbook you right. know i don't want to say it's deceiving but it's almost like all year long you're kind of pumping yourself up watching mm-hmm. videos like oh yeah well, these guys are doing this why can't i do that <laughs> you go out there and you're like oh shit like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah they don't show this stuff on camera it's like because i've been hunting like since i was about 12 years old you know about when you can and it's never easy but for some reason i almost feel like it's a false reality you're getting so pumped up all year mm-hmm. then afterwards you're like oh i kicked my ass like I'm yeah hard. but then by the time <laughs> next year comes around oh, I know, oh you'll be all pumped up roll, yeah. i'm ready to go right now if we can <laughs> so restart. Right. i've had uh a few of these podcasts and um my buddy andrew and chris you can tell like the first one we were just super pumped for uh waterfowl season mm-hmm. and that's all we talked about and uh-huh. like even after the cast and like after you know the up until opening day like that's all we could talk about and then they, they went out and i had to go do something so i didn't get to, go, get to go out with them they had a decent first day and a crappy second day and then the next weekend like they didn't see anything and so they're just like on that following podcast when we had it, we were talking about fishing the whole time. So it's like just on to the next addiction. Like, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, nice. that was a bust. Let's wait till it gets next. a little better. Well, now that the duck hunting should be getting better and be back on it. But yeah, it's well, like those hard weekends, it makes you think about the next yep. one. And then all of a sudden at the tail end of the season when the birds start, you know, stacking in. You have one day where you all limit out, like that's all you remember for the next year, and you go exactly. back and you go through the same. Yeah, yeah you forget. Yeah, all the you same. forget all the crappy parts. You, forget you remember, cold. you remember the highlights, so that's what keeps you coming back every time. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of the crappy part, so I, you went on a trip. I did. for your fall break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you you posted this picture of his. Uh, it was a monster lake trout, wasn't it? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I was super jealous, and then. You had uh, you sent that of um, the vlog, yeah. Like your buddy has a vlog, and you're like explaining that you're up until I don't know three in the morning and oh, then driving till. Yep. I'm just like that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's what? Why, but that's why he's getting that stuff. Yeah, if we didn't yeah. catch that fish, it would have been pretty terrible to be honest. But it was. So how this yeah. all set up? Yeah. So I mean, being in dental school, our time is you know time off is pretty limited. So you know we had what a tuesday or wednesday wednesday through sunday we had yeah. off for our fall break so um yeah i lined up some some of my buddies to go do some fishing in southeast idaho area and um 
for those of you in the uh, Instagram world, the fly dudes, uh, Andy Engel, I met up with him and gosh, he's, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. You want to talk about someone who's enthusiastic about fishing. He's, I, he is, he will go to all ends of the earth to catch big fish, which is awesome. I, we got along really well. And is he the guy that was doing the vlog? Yeah. So yeah. he, so yeah, he, he has a vlog posted on YouTube at the fly dudes on their YouTube channel, as well as, um, kind of highlighting our, our trip there. And, um, then he also has some posts on Instagram as well, kind of documenting some of the things that we did, but yeah, we did some, gosh, we, we went all over the place and we only had about a day and a half together and we, you know, fished for some brown trout without a whole lot of luck. We, uh, did some night fishing for lake trout until probably, man, we were up until three in the morning or so. And that's when it was, well, we were fishing until probably about one. So we put in about four hours of night fishing and um, we got that one fish. We had one hit all night, and it turned out to be about a 20-pound laker that we got. Yeah, how were you was, targeting it with, with fly rod? Yeah, it's fly rod, and, uh, you know, a lot of it was, uh, it's interesting. I'll tell you that, because it's, you, you got to, fishing in the dark is a whole different thing, especially fly fishing in the dark. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I do not have a lot of experience with like it myself. It's like fly fishing down here in the muddy water. It just doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I'm not going to go burn spots or anything like that, but it was, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of weird because it's, you, you get, it's a million casts and you get one hit and that makes it totally worth it though. That makes the misery. Mm -hmm. Makes the Forgetful. yes. Yep, yep. You're casting and ducking a lot, trying to make sure you're not gonna you know, smack yourself in the back of the head with <laughs> your big streamer that you're tossing. But yeah, man, we we uh we were out fishing till about one, one thirty, and then we uh got in our cars and we were gonna meet up with uh another one of our buddies and do a little float in uh the watermaster rafts on the uh Snake River the next day and we had about a three-hour drive to get to where we uh, we were going to meet up in the morning. We're going to try to make it all the way. We we got about two hours in. It was about 3.30 or so in the morning, and none of us had had any sleep the night before either. So it was just like, I think we called each other, and we were just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to die pretty soon, so we need to pull over. So we we ended up sleeping in a Walmart parking lot for about three Perfect. hours. So I was like, "That's how you know, you know, you got a good good night of fishing is if you uh, wake up in a Walmart parking lot." So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Good nights. a lot of good nights. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not making a career out of it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but it was yeah. The next morning we went out and we floated a stretch of water that on the snake that doesn't really get too much pressure. So we were really pumped about it. But man, we had. Just bluebird, high sun day, which is kind of, I mean, that's just really not great for, for streamers and tossing big, big flies at trout usually puts them down a little bit. And so, um, we got a couple good fish out there, but it was, you know, kind of few and far between a lot of few little dinks here and there, some white fish, uh, our buddy Jordan, who we met up with, he, uh, um, caught a pretty nice brown that's documented in the vlog there but it was you know not not a very productive uh fishing wise but man the weather was great and you know great company so it was uh you know it was a great great little day we had out there um after after that though it was you know andy had to go home so he he took off and 
went back to Utah where he's from and, and I met up with another one of my buddies, uh, Mike, again, if you're in the Instagram world, uh, Bobbers, Hoppers and Worms is his handle. And I'll tell you what, this guy, if he wasn't busy making a lot of money at his engineering job, he would be probably one of the best fly fishing guides in the entire world. Like bar none. He could make him, he could make money doing that. He, he shows up, he has his, his teepee tent with a stove in it with cots all set up for us. We had gourmet uh, meals every, you know, for dinner. We had hot breakfast. He had coffee ready for me in the morning. And we, we camped out on the Snake River and did did fishing for a couple days. And, boy, it was just lights out, awesome fishing for, you know, two, two and a half days. And, man, it was it was uh, definitely a trip I'll remember for a long time. We caught, caught a lot of caught a lot of big fish and drank a lot of beer and had a good time. Definitely. Uh, I'll tell you, I was tired when I came back for sure. <laughs> tired yeah, of the right? I, it, well, it, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah. One of, you know, you're out fishing for 10 hours a day. It, mm-hmm. You get, you, you get a little bit tired. So, but it was, yeah, it was a blast. Absolute. Good That's, time. It's a good weekend when you need a break from your weekend. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to come back to work. Can't wait <laughs> to go to school. Work hard, play you know, hard right. type of a situation for sure. Yeah. No, it was, it was an absolute blast though. Gosh, we, we had just great weather and man that the last couple of days of fishing we had it was just on it was all day every day we had you know 20 plus fish days with you know f- rainbows that were average fish size is probably 18 inches or so and that's no joke mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that's it's awesome. hard to believe but yeah it was it was a just a good time for sure yeah sounds like it um so you're you're targeting them using uh basically fly gear yep. and all catch and release. Do you ever keep a couple for the fryer? Just, mm-hmm. just, uh, well, so yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely a, you know, catch and keep type of guy in, in terms of, uh, you know, when, especially when I'm out camping or in a situation yeah. like that, where, you know, granted the, the bodies of water where we were fishing, were all catch and release. So we weren't able to, to keep anything, but yeah, absolutely. During the summer time or whatever, I'm out, especially, being out camping on a lake or something to go fry up some lake trout or something. There's nothing better than your little uh, uh, fish breakfast uh, after you're out for a couple hours in the morning, though. So, I'm, I'm, I don't know. A lot of people say lake trout. They don't like them, but I, I'm a big fan of it, especially this, the smaller fish, eating eat size yeah. category. Mm-hmm, Man, they're, you cook them up just like salmon, and they're, they turn out pretty good, I'll tell you what. If you get hungry enough, put enough work out in the woods, it, that's also true. <laughs> it really doesn't matter let's be honest we we've been we were talking this morning about eating carp so yeah, there's, there's like, a restaurant here yeah, yeah there's a restaurant here in omaha that serves fried carp mm-hmm. and uh, you know a lot of people uh carp and chips yeah I, I people say it's good the yeah. people who eat it say it's good but most people are well i mean really carp were brought to america long long time ago for food as food purpose because i mean there was a large growing population and they were used i mean carp are used as food in in asia mm-hmm. right and Middle they were time. brought yeah and they were they're, they're hardy fish exactly and they were they were brought here to be food originally and uh now everyone kind of turns their nose up well yeah. right it's like this there's that stigma because of the water that they live in that mm-hmm. they're 
Yeah, not not so good. I mean, I've yet to try carp, so I, I have no skin in the yeah. game here at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, same boat. I, I believe people when they say it's pretty good. So. A guy from work <laughs> said when he was growing up in Lewiston, he'd go get carp, uh-huh. and then he was trying to learn how to smoke fish. Yeah. So he'd smoke carp and then take it to school and hand it out to people. <laughs> and just tell them, and they're like, oh, what is this? And I go, it's trout. Trout. It's trout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you like it? <laughs> you know, because he was trying to. He said he was trying to get his smoker all dialed in. But and was it good? Did they die? Or I don't know. That's kind of where the story. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's where he, <laughs> gave him out. That's what happened. We ah. never saw him again. <laughs> but come to school, yeah. right? Yeah, they uh, mysteriously disappeared. But you know, that smoke carp will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. So you you were a, a guest star on on your first vlog. Yeah, you know, your buddy's vlog. I I will tell you that. I learned that I'm very awkward behind a camera, so there's that. Um, <laughs> well, it's always weird when someone else is holding it well, right. and talking to it. I can yeah. see how that would be so uncomfortable. And, and, and like, hey, yeah. yeah. And you're like, do I look at it? Yeah, do exactly. I engage your do I look directly in it? Is this a movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, and, and and he's such a natural too behind the camera. He's he's awesome. He's a great. I mean, he has a, again a very successful blog set up there, and you know, I watched some of his tying. Yeah videos he, cool. he's yeah he's very talented they they do an awesome job there's always always new people new new adventures and you know he, he lives to fly fish so he's uh he's he's good at what he does so you're gonna start your own vlog now <laughs> oh gosh people do not need to see me behind a camera for, for especially for that long uh, I'd, have ne- I'd have negative followers <laughs> real quick can we dislike right? yeah. be like where's the dislike button <laughs> No, I, I like the, uh, you know, and exactly what you're doing here, Alex, too, just, uh, you know, bring in, you know, the outdoors community together a little bit and, yeah. you know, hearing everyone's story, everyone's got, you know, a different perspective on things. And um, I found recently I've become a lot more interested in fishing with uh, uh, new people, especially because to me, I'm like, honestly, I skill wise, I. I feel I feel like I'm behind a lot of these guys who are really good. A lot of people I fish with. Every time I go with someone, I learn something new, mm-hmm. and I feel like it makes me a lot better. Yeah, well, and you kind of find that you spend the most time, uh, well, growing up and being in the Northwest fishing trout, mm-hmm. and you guys fish steelhead and right. some salmon and stuff. You get efficient at that, and you get really efficient at your local pond and yep. your local mm-hmm. creek. Well, you start stepping outside. And you re- you learn really quick that what works in your backyard does not work down the road, and so it, it kind of shortcuts everything. Yep. To make a buddy that's yep. already that's here very and, true. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're not. The first time I went and tried to steelhead, I did a cast and my bobber landed at my feet, and I didn't know what I did. My bait went flying. <laughs> My bobber land on my feet, and I got all these people on the shore looking at me. That's like, how you're supposed to do it, right? Yeah. yeah I'm like, okay, I should just ask somebody instead of looking like a fool. So then I kind of got more comfortable with. Oh yeah. Either you know, you either get embarrassed to ask someone for help, right? Or you get humiliated on the shore. Yeah. <laughs> with your bobber falling at your feet, which is worse, right? You know? Yep. No, that's absolutely true. I, so. I, um, there's. Every every place you go, there's there's new new techniques. I think that's another thing with uh, carp fishing here in the in the middle. It's just expanding your horizons a little bit. And honestly, it's made I feel like it's made me a much better fisherman, especially you know fly fishing wise, because it, it is challenging as heck to catch carp on a fly, oh, yeah. especially out here. They're just they're, they're very serious. picky. They're very spooky. 
um, you know, you got to use all, you know, all the tools that you got basically to, to fool them. So it's, it, it's been a, actually kind of a good thing in my opinion. Well, and even, <laughs> even more on top of, uh, the techniques and even just the gear you use to fish them, but the gear that you use to pursue them far as like, we went mm-hmm. out and I, I had, um, I had got a chance to go on a guided trip and we went down off the, uh, Columbia Yeah, and we show up. And I had some of my customers with me, and the guide is wearing like um, uh, like bibs, like really heavy bibs. Yeah. And on the forecast down there, it says be eighty degrees out, you know. And so we're going, <laughs> you know, going crazy. in pretty light. Right. And we show up, and the guy's just like dressed for winter. And I kind of saw that, and I so I went back to the truck, and I put on thermals, and I put on mm-hmm. an extra jacket, and but everyone else really didn't and so when we went on the boat it was cold it was like 40 degrees on that water and windy yeah and the guy goes typically when you go out with someone that has been doing this wear what they're wearing yep yeah and i kind of bring that up because you had an experience with that with carp fishing and some of the creatures that are in the water oh yeah because like some stupid. of the waters that we fish back home once it gets warm i take the waders off oh, i yeah, go well. in and you're not worried about nothing <laughs> oh yeah Oh uh, yeah, um, but here it's a little different. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, if you want, yeah. who, I don't know who wants to no, tell I was gonna that say, story. Brandon, you go ahead. I'll tell you what. It's a waiters up twenty four seven game. Oh here. yeah, yeah. That's I, I actually give my my buddy Andrew. I give him heck for wearing waders. Yeah, hey man. You know, if it's cold, if it's cold, I'll wear waders. Yeah. But if it's mm-hmm. warm enough to mm-hmm. put the non insulated waders in on, yeah. it's warm enough just to get in the water. Right. Yep. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. It it was. <laughs> What? But not down here. Right. No. <laughs> see, see, I personally wear waders all the time out here in Omaha, um, mainly because I do not want to contract some flesh-eating parasite or something. Yeah. The, the, the water quality is questionable at best, let's just say that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm always wearing them. Granted, I mean, even if it's 95 degrees and 80% humidity, I'm wearing my waders, I roll them down, and I got a puddle of sweat you know, at the end of the day. But at mm-hmm. least I have the peace of mind knowing that Whatever I can't see in the water is not getting, you know, get, touching me. Yeah. And I, I can't do it. <laughs> Brendan here. <laughs> I thought it was being too cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went out. the day Dan and I both caught those two really nice buffalo carp. And, uh, yeah, it was like 95, 96 uh, degrees. It was one. Of, it was the hottest it day we had up until yeah. that point. And it was humid as heck. And just to get to the spot, you're walking better parts of three quarters to a it's, half a mile it's, it's probably almost a full mile to get out See, that's where it's like yeah. i wouldn't want waders on exactly it's hotter hill and i was oh, kind of like it was miserable also at this time i still only had like the neoprene waders so you're so you aware <laughs> yeah. yeah. you would have been dead <laughs> either way that's like Your do i die of heat stroke, stroke. <laughs> heat or do stroke i get or flushing chiggers yeah, yeah. <laughs> or chiggers yeah there you go so, yeah we went back there and honestly it was still earlier in the season so i didn't ex- i didn't expect the weeds and poison ivy and all the nettles and everything that for some reason was made on this earth was put all in the same spot yeah it's just like literally the the hellhole back there yeah we got back there and we're before we even got there just several hundred yards away you could watch the water and just see carp flipping tails and we're like that that, that's where we're going we're going there pumped up yeah i'll tell you what get over there and our buddy jason and daniel and waiters i'm like those suckers are gonna die today it's so (laughs) hot out screw that i'm in like gym shorts and a tank top (laughs) (laughs) 
we start walking through, I instantly just regret every decision I made in life <laughs> at that point. Dude. Like, not just like... I felt so bad for you. Did anyone, like, say anything to you? Nope. <laughs> like, go oh, ahead. Okay, no, okay, In our defense, we were, go- we were scouting some new areas, so we didn't really know what to yeah. expect. But when we got there, I immediately knew Brennan was going to regret mm-hmm. his decision to not wear At least pants, even. Yeah. Like, well, see, I made this drunk. mistake twice. Yeah. This is the first of two times. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this did happen again. So yeah, we'll just yeah. I'm a little slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had him like halfway through the day. Like I'm hitting nettle patch after nettle patch. Even like the chiggers were just a nightmare, and I didn't really realize what chiggers were until I got home. I thought I just got drilled by mosquitoes. It felt like someone poured acid all over my legs. So they're like, just like little tiny. Little My parasites or little bugs? Little bugs and just bite the shit out of your shins. Like any exposed skin, they'll just get on and start mm-hmm. nipping away. Yeah. Oh man, you'll have red bumps like mm-hmm. all the way up and down wherever they bite. So, like, whatever uh, little water splashes. Yeah. yeah. Well, in this, in the water we're fishing here, there's like cars in the water. People, like, it's just like people <laughs> throw all their old shit in this hole. It's just like North Idaho. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, this, this what is, you say? Yeah, this is, it is, it's like, it's just this overflow <laughs> pond, basically. You could throw a rock into the Missouri River from this little pond yeah. here. So, so it gets whatever flows in when the Missouri River floods. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whatever else is left gets stuck in this hole with all the trash. Which is prime (laughs) prime carping location, also prime flesh eating parasite location. So it was, uh, yeah, I was honestly I didn't even get in the water much at all because I was, it was that nasty. Yeah, and like yeah, so we didn't get in the water that day. That's just wading through all the yeah. This is just walking. This is just walking grass. And honestly, this wasn't as bad as the second time Mm -hmm. because we went out couple weeks later right same spot but this is this is after the the we've had we had a lot of rain yes the, the weeks after this and so the water had come way up it was several inches like yes. i don't want to say a number because i don't it was a lot well, like th- this field that was previously dry and we walked toward this little pond was completely flooded up to my knees at least mm-hmm. and so again Brendan thought you were smarter than all of us. <laughs> I didn't want to die from heat. Okay? Didn't want to die from heat stroke. Didn't wear waders. I wore pants this time. He did I wear pants. Learned my lesson. But, but unfortunately, <laughs> the water was like three feet higher than it was before. Yeah. And to reach our location, we had to wade through a flooded field of nastiness. Chiggers. Swamp. Also chiggers. And that, like it didn't, like, so the chiggers that time, those suckers. Like, it also started raining. And I was like, I'm wet. I'm just going to get in the water and be wet anyways. I'm going to get out to where Daniel and Jason are, like, throwing flies at the cart, like, the fish. I want to get out there, too. I'm not just going to be a little wussy and sit up on the bank. That was, like, the worst decision. <laughs> as soon as I got in the water, like, <laughs> yeah. my legs just started getting itchy and stuff like that. And it's, like, constantly rubbing. I was like, this sucks. So as soon as we got out, you know, another mile back to the truck, get yeah. home. We, we went even farther this time. We went yeah, farther. we went. So it was, it was a, it was a legitimate mile each there and back. Yeah. And which is, I mean, it's really, that's not bad. I, I feel like when I'm fly fishing and we're, we're on a day, I mean, it's, I'll put in 10 plus miles of walking right. some days, but in this scenario, especially in wet jeans, Oh, Let's be worse. honest. We'll talk about chafing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> my ankles—they were raw. And and they were and, and the thing that made it even worse was that the fishing absolutely sucked. Oh, everything everything nothing. turned off. 
because mm-hmm. of all the rain. And I mean, we were walking through this field and there was carp like smashing into my shins because you basically step on them as you, as you walk through. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was, it was weird. A day to forget. Yep. Although we did, I did catch a couple of those Asian carp. The, That's right. The big head ones. We actually oh, saw yeah. the fish, the main the, the ones that fly out of the water and kill people in their boats. Those things are terrifying. They are absolutely terrifying. They, and they are They everywhere. come out quick. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yes. I, was, I was fishing out at a refuge north of Omaha. They'll scare the crap. They, yeah, they just pop out. I had, it, I had one fly between my face and my fly rod. Mm-hmm. Well, it is terrifying. You'll like, be, you be out like, there. <laughs> so is it, if you spook them, is that what happens? It's like a, yeah. a reaction to noise. So, so like if you turn like a boat motor on or something, an engine, as you, as you drive by them, they will fly out of the water. Yeah. They well, they even out. do it when there's nothing. Right. right. Yeah, they're, exactly. Well, yeah, they're just kind well, of... Well, if there's any... I think there's any disturbance Let's be to the water whatsoever. Like, well, yeah, I, I will if say... If one goes, they all go. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like... You're like taking... You're like... <laughs> they're just flying all around there's, you. There's nothing, honestly, more terrifying than you're out there by yourself. You're stalking carpet. It's dead silent. You are pulling... <laughs> you're pulling a heron here. Just tiptoeing along to this carp and then... Right next to you, a ten-pound carp flies out of the water at light speed, and you're there. I just about pissed my pants. Like this happened multiple I, times. I disagree. So <laughs> this year, elk season, um, I went and I was put on some serious miles, and I just listened to Ronella's, you know, the Meat Eater podcast. Yeah, yep. yeah. They have one about it, a bear attack. Right, that's a really good episode. Actually, really scary. Good, things. yeah, legit <laughs> and. Issue. <laughs> where I'm, where I'm hunting. Not me being a girl. Grizzlies aren't an issue that I know of. Like I've never heard of anyone seeing a grizzly up there. They're probably mm-hmm. not there. But because I just listened to this thing, I'm walking in the woods, and I'm. Just, is this in Idaho? No, this is in Washington. Washington. Okay. And I'm just kind of thinking about this story and kind of replaying what they, you know, what I just heard. <clears throat> so I'm thinking about a grizzly and kind of what I would be, what I would do if oh, yeah. a grizzly were to come out. Well, right when it. I. When I'm just imagining this grizzly in my head coming out of the woods, a dang growl. I was gonna say up. next grouse pop up. Listen to foot yeah. movie, and I, yeah. I did one of these like Heisman like jumps. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I would be dead. Like that is not the move. You See, want yeah, to make. I think that's a, and that's a perfect analogy because these Asian carp are the grouse of the water world. Right. Yes. They're, they're like full on. Wait until you step on them, jump out in your face. So probably very similar. It, yeah, it's it's one of those. Except again, it's not quite out by yourself hunting right. with the idea of but it's the same yeah. kind of thing i just happen yeah. to be thinking of a really scary situation right. because i had so that, you psyched yourself i had grouse all day doing that mm-hmm. and that was the, the most terrifying one of the day oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm gonna say if i had a dollar for every time I just about yeah. stepped on a grouse and they yeah you know, so it's but now that the Asian carp are out there doing the same thing to people, it's like... Oh. Right. There's no relief, man. <laughs> There's nowhere to hide, people. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you go? A constant state of panic. <laughs> What's going to pop out today? <laughs> can't That's probably leave, why you can't go leave out your too. home anymore, to be honest. People, you should stay in. You should stay inside. Yeah, it's the, terrifying. The yeah. outdoors <laughs> are terrifying. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? <laughs> so, moving from that, what what is some of your like earliest memories of, of either hunting or fishing or kind of what got you hooked on just Ooh, that's on a, just yeah punny real punny yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a guy that's nice. I see how we're working <laughs> under the line there yeah. just thinking you'd sneak that one in there yeah. 
So well, you, you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, I'll, I'll go yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, um, you know. It, so what got you hooked? <laughs> <laughs> what got me hooked? Well, so, I mean, I guess now nowadays I've, I've turned into such a fly fishing addict, I guess, to say. Uh, I'd say you're addicted. Addiction yeah. would be putting it lightly, I think. Um, he needs help. But I, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a fly fishing purist, a fly fishing elitist at all. Granted, I mean, I will fly fish by choice more often than I will gear fish. But I, I will absolutely. I gear fish all the time. I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, but I, you know, I, I got started fly tying before I ever got started fly fishing, which is is kind of an interesting thing to me. My grandpa actually. Uh, I think it was my ninth or was, I think it was my ninth birthday. He uh, got me uh, fly fishing or fly, excuse me, fly tying lessons at, with a silver bow fly shop over there in Spokane oh, really? in the valley. Yep. And this is when, uh, um, again, I don't know if anyone's familiar with that fly shop. Great fly shop. They're they're awesome there. But um, uh, Michael uh, or excuse me, Sean uh, Visentainer. He is now now the owner of of Silver Bow, but at the time he was just kind of a grunt worker. He uh, he was tying, doing the fly tying classes when I was there, and he actually, you know, I'd never fly fished in my life, and it's me and a bunch of fifty year old guys there, you know, learning to tie flies. And um, I think I think it was more my grandpa's doing, holding him to it. But Sean Sean took me out um, out in the Coeur d'Alene River one time, and that's. You know, kind of the rest is history from there. He got me started, you know, fly fishing and caught my first cutthroat there. And it was, uh, yeah, it was awesome to, to be able to do that. And I, you know, I still go in and support Silverbow all the time. They're awesome there. Um, I, 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 I gear fished for sure a lot more when I was younger. Uh, I didn't really get back into fly fishing a whole lot, like to the point that I am now. Uh, probably until I was out of high school for sure. Uh, I just, you know, busy. Everyone's busy with it's other a sport things. That takes time. Right, right. And, <clears throat> you know, it was, you know, busy with sports, busy with school, things like that. And, it, you know, I kind of put that on the back burner. And then once I started doing it again, it kind of turned into a bit of an obsession for me. And now it is just that, an obsession for me. So, yeah, it was, you know, it's been kind of a since day one thing. For me, I my uh, my grandpa was a bush pilot up in northern British Columbia and, oh, wow. and up on the Kispiox River, and my dad grew up there, and so it's kind of been, you know, in my in my blood a little bit to say the least. They, you know, my dad's outdoor he, experience. Yep, yep, absolutely. So it's I, I grew up around that fishing and, and hunting from from day one for sure. Yeah, that's kind of same for me. It's. <sighs> wasn't really much of an option one way or the other yeah. right <laughs> you kind of ended up exactly. falling into it but yeah, what right. about for you what, what kind of um no like yeah early experiences of, that you had group of very outdoors family you know every year it was almost like clockwork you know hunting seasons hunting season moving to the spring steelhead and salmon back in the fall steelhead and salmon back in the hunting yep. like your whole calendar year was based off what season is open yep my dad on the other hand kind of split off more of the main family Kind of got away from all that till his late 40s until I turned about 12 or so. And I got interested. He goes, okay, we'll go meet up with the family and we'll go on an elk hunt with them. Very first day, get out of there. Just luck, get lucky. My uncle takes an elk and I got to be part of the whole butchering process, carrying the meat out, kind of like how the whole thing works. 
I just thought it was amazing. I was immediately like, are we coming back next weekend? Like, yeah. I got to go get my hunter safety stuff done and all that. And so even though, like, they've kind of all started doing their own thing, like, and I've split off from how they do it, like, it's just growing more and more just from that one experience of being a part of, like, ending that bull's life to putting it on our, mm-hmm. like, plate. Yep. It was pretty amazing experience. Like, I love, like... Even more than taking the animals, just packing the meat out. Like, because then you get your buddy with you or a couple, even if by yourself it's such a challenging moment, you're like, you feel so good. You get it from field to table. It was pretty awesome. And then, actually, got to give props to Daniel here about five years ago. Probably about, yeah. Took a trip down to the Selway. Just a random, hey, what are you guys doing tomorrow? Um, My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. um, just you guys want to go fish? And I was like, sure. Like I have a fly rod, but you know, at the time fly fishing before foo-foos and whatever, you right. know, like <laughs> I wasn't too hot into it. And, <laughs> you know, we went in, we hiked into the subway area and walked back quite a few miles and just had an absolute fantastic time. Like great day. Oh yeah. Just like my wife doesn't fly fish, but she doesn't really, she's not really outdoorsy in general, but she was just spinning rod all oh, day. Yeah. Like just had a great Everyone time. Everyone caught fish. And yeah. It was, uh, it was a great day. One of, one of the better trips that then, I've, I've had, I mean, for sure. Yeah, like, very fond memory. And then even after that, I kind of didn't really get into it until really we moved here. And then Daniel and I started going more often, mm-hmm. getting, going after those carp and whatever we can find. Like, it's it's more of, like, just the art form and the relaxation of learning and mastering a skill like fly fishing or archery. Well, fly fishing so much it's, about the hunt. You yes. Know? In, in my opinion, it's, it's a lot like hunting and, and the fact that you've got to be really tuned in to... I'd say it's more like bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. it's, it's I, the I, bow yes, hunting yes. of the hunting. Right, um, right. Yeah, I, I yeah. 100% agree with that. I think you got to be pretty tuned in. Which, the thing is, it's so challenging, and that's what draws me to it, I feel like, mm-hmm. is, is the, you know, like, again, like I said, I could you could go out there and throw some corn on your hook and catch 20 carp if you wanted to, but, you know, yeah. what's fun in that? <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Not I, that it wouldn't be fun. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's, you know, it's a little bit of a different different type of satisfaction, I guess. So I grew up in western Montana, and I really wasn't a gear fisherman, like a like bait gear type guy. Mm-hmm. And not that I probably wouldn't have been, I just never really had that stuff. I always had a fly rod. Right. And Especially growing up in Montana, I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we would go camping, and I'd fish these little creeks and just be catching, you know, a lot of little dinks. Yep. But you kind of learn how to read the rivers and at a yeah. young age. And yep. for me, I actually found it more of a challenge when I moved uh, to eastern Washington to figure out how to bait fish and how to right. troll. I'm like, I've never done I look yeah. like a fool out here compared to what I do with the fly rod. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but then part of it being down here, uh, you guys, you know, the fly fishermen, I wouldn't say all of them are elitist, but it's kind of like this club. Like if you're yeah. a, a decent fly fisherman, you're like you've achieved a skill in a pretty small community, and that community is growing. Absolutely. But down here, you're back to a very, very small very community. Small. So you're you're kind of <laughs> almost back to being a pioneer of some sorts. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a cool feeling of it. I feel like uh, for those of you Star Wars fans out there, I feel like the Last Jedi, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. They're like these idiots over here believe in the Force, and that's that's the that's the flash. Yeah, everyone that's over us. here is just bonking fish and Daniel's. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm over there <laughs> casting to this carp. Meanwhile, this guy next to me just pulls his bow out and just puts an arrow right through the head of this carp. So that's pretty much how it goes mm-hmm. around here. But at the same time, to each his own. 
I have, you know, I, like I said, I got, I have nothing against gear fishermen. I have nothing against, you know, bow fishermen, to be honest with you. So I, I'm, I'm definitely a more, uh, conservation minded person for sure. But, uh, you know, but again, I have, I, I try not to be part of the fly fishing elite club. If that, if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. I said, I purist, I should say. Yeah. yeah well, no, no. Yeah, well, you're exactly right though. I think that there's that stigma attached to it. Sure. But like I said, I, I'll go and dunk worms any day. You know, I yeah. got no problem with pulling a spinning rod out. Well, I, I like to catch fish. That's yeah, what it exactly. comes down to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it, but it is more, it's very satisfying when you're in a boat with a buddy mm-hmm. and you're standing up fly fishing, you're casting ashore and like, you're just hammering them and you're catching fish and then you go by a couple guys that are bait fishing and you're like, how you doing? Well, we caught a couple and you've yep. been sitting there just, <laughs> you're them. just hammering you know, up. Why would I want a bait fish? Even though if that was catching fish, I would be. You'd be thinking like, opposite. Right, you'd be like, right, right, right. what are they using? Yeah, like, yeah. Can I put What's a worm on top? Yeah. 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 Can, <laughs> yeah. can I fly fish with a worm? I have done it. There's I mean, no rules against that. I might, I might uh, you know, say something under my breath, but, you know, I, I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I might do it. It's, it's, you know, and it's funny because even in the fly fishing community, there's everyone throws a fit about people fishing with uh what we call squirmy worms or like uh kind of rubber worms that oh. are tied onto a fly basically right. or or mop flies or honestly even a san juan worm people get That's all up in arms here. they're like that is <laughs> cheating but at the same time i'm like look fly fishing the majority of especially if you're nymph fishing which is by far the most productive form of fly fishing you you're you're fishing with a bobber. It's you're fishing with a bobber. You have yeah so, something dead drifting in your bobber. So it's bait fishing. It's to, if you want to go and actually see some uh, funny like parodies to fly fishing, yes. that Hank Patterson. Yes, everyone's yes. got to check out Hank Patterson. Hank Patterson's got some funny stuff, yes. and it just makes you kind of think. Laser, like there's he's got a bit about uh, well, uh, yes, not the, to give Hank Patterson bits, and the bait bait fisherman, the bait right? fisherman, yes. and then kind of realizing that his fly has a bunch of animal fur on yeah. it so it's like <laughs> you're like wait a or second or you're using foam yeah to, yeah. to imitate a, a real grasshopper type thing. right it's like well why don't i just put this grasshopper on my hook what what we like to make uh, it out of foam right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more fun that way come on <laughs> no definitely check out hank patterson videos on youtube he is an absolute classic the guy That's is funny. the guy is one of the the well and and also very huge leader in terms of uh conservation in the fly fishing community he's he's awesome gotta love that guy <laughs> yeah for sure in fact he was one of those first videos that i watched you know when i first got back into fly fishing and i think that you know i still am out there to this day i'll be you know hook up into a fish and just buy hot dog or something oh, uh, hank patterson is him yeah mend it mend it got mend it buddy mend it we could go on for days and it's funny because my wife's picked up on these things too so yeah. when we're out there she'll give me a bad time about it she's like you gotta mend it and you gotta mend it and you gotta <laughs> mend it <laughs> oh wait don't forget to mend it <laughs> it's too funny yeah no i enjoyed that it, it is fun to learn a new skill but then to realize you don't have to take it that seriously. That's the thing. I think the biggest thing about fly fishermen in general is that a lot of, maybe not a lot, but there's some people who take themselves a little too seriously. It's like, dude, we're all out here sharing public land, oh, yeah. and we're we're out we're all here for the same, you know, the same. I'm all for the guy taking it serious, 
but as long as he's not a jerk to the guys coming up learning. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially young guys. Like, yep. a young guy, you know, just show him the ropes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. You see that a lot with, um, you know, we started going out and shooting a lot of upland bird, or trying to shoot upland bird, and the guys are checking out your gun. They want to know what dog you're running. And are you right. running a certain type of uh, collar and all this stuff? And it's like, I got a dog. I got a Mossberg <laughs> that's like worn out, and I'm blasting birds. That's all I'm doing. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just trying to be legal. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I got the right shot, yep. I'm not using lead where I'm not supposed to be. So like, <laughs> I'm newer about. to the archery world. This is only my third year archery hunting, and I, I like drank the Kool Aid of you have to have a Hoyt bow, you have to have obviously this sight, these arrows. You don't have these brass hits, you ain't shit. Like I bought into that so hard, and especially after this last year, it was like. I have all this expensive stuff. I'm almost too scared mm-hmm. to scratch something or break something or <laughs> like go hunt how I hunt, that's which exactly is oh, that's a the junky that's, stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I myself have, I mean, I have taken fly fishing on a budget to a, a pretty high level. I mean, great. You it, figured it, it out. In, in terms of <laughs> someone who fishes as often as I do, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, it's, I will say that you can catch fish on. Right on crappy. It does not That's matter what gear you have. All the way Granted, across. I think maybe outerwear. It's important to probably spend money and right. be prepared for the elements. But in terms of fishing gear, eh. yeah, spending more. It's nice to have a nice rod, but at the same time, I don't. It's not going to help you catch your old noodles. Fish. Sometimes catches just same. Oh heck yeah, man! The, <laughs> yeah, the, like your brand the old expensive eight eight foot five weight eagle claw that I have. It's just uh, yeah, like you said, a, I just the bought old noodle rod. Costco. Dude, those things are yeah. indestructible. And honestly, you could put a spinning rod on that thing, and it would work just fine too. So that's it's yeah. uh, it's a good backup rod to have for sure. So call up my buddy that's on our podcast a lot, Andrew. If you're listening, this this segment's for you. Use use uh whatever you got. He was arguing with me the last podcast about it. That's right. But um, I mean, there are benefits of having the nicer stuff. But oh, for let's sure. Let's be real. Like people, like our ancestors, and ancestors are taking crap down with like what they literally fiddled with their own hands and yeah. a sharp rock like let's, um, let's be real here well you fly fishing's if, yeah you're exactly yeah. right I mean, fly fishing is all about the gear everyone's all about the gear it's all yeah. about river cred i mean come on there's a, you gotta have your thousand dollar rod you gotta have a, this is going back to another hank patterson bit right yeah <laughs> it goes through it, you gotta have all the nicest gear or else everyone's gonna be like who's this idiot over here mm-hmm. obviously well, someone doesn't know what they're doing yeah well, <laughs> I, I will say i will admit i'm a sucker for fishing tackle oh yeah, it doesn't yeah. take me much to buy fishing tackle ask my wife how much we spend on fishing gear she no, doesn't like know a, because she chooses exactly. not to look that's yeah. one of those ones they just kind of look we don't talk way, about that that's like an automatic fight oh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> how much you spend a day on that <sighs> okay not, bye we're not going to talk about this you want to start this now yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> i could easily justify yeah, dropping thousands of dollars on a fly yeah. fishing yeah. trip or something and then we sit there and i'm like ah crap like are we gonna are we gonna spend two dollars on cereal this week yeah or, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Or we're gonna be fine but i need that six dollars my uh, yep <laughs> yeah when i would be eyeing new gear when i was a kid you um my dad he'd like to tell me a story of one of his buddies at work and they his nickname at work was elk skippy this guy Ooh, elk skippy because he shot a elk every year whether it was a cow or a bull mm-hmm and guys would ask him what he's using, and it'd just be like this old, you know, early 90s, late 80s bow. I don't know what it was, but it was just like the bow he'd been shooting with aluminum arrows, 
you know, didn't have the crazy sights on it, and he mm-hmm. just says, the elk don't know what... Exactly. Oh, uh, I had <laughs> a long like, conversation. The with, fish don't know what fly rod that. you're using. That's. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing, man. It's the same thing. You're, you're better off focusing on the skill of... Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Presentation and, and or, or, or getting into place. Right. Well, and yeah. honestly, I think there's something to be said about using crappy gear to learn with, because then you got to really learn. You don't get, you right. know, if you got yeah. a nice rod... I think it makes things maybe a little bit easier. So if you know how to cast with an eagle claw, mm-hmm. you can cast, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I I feel like along those lines, again, it's fishing gear, hunting gear, and beer. Those are the three things that um, you don't you don't think twice about spending money on. It's like a necessity, right? Yeah. And then it's like everything else. Yeah, you got to budget that stuff. But there's... well, I've been looking at. <laughs> My Mossberg, I've had it since I, I bought it um, in high school, and it's about worn out. And it's a it's a camo pattern Mossberg that you can't even tell that it's been unbeat up. But it, you know, I've had that thing through a bunch of junk, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to like pick out a shotgun to that would replace that. Right. And I want I'm like okay, I'm like kind of my next step in life where when I buy this, it'll be another 15 years before I buy another one. But I don't want something. I still want to go out and be able to if I fall. Or if I go through yeah. a bunch of brush, I don't want to have to baby this thing. Yeah, yep. or like, yeah, you don't want to prevent yourself from going and succeeding in a hunt or a fishing thing mm-hmm. if you're worried about your gear. Yeah, like, yeah, and that, that's what you're kind of saying. With that's, oh, stuff. man, I look at a brush hole now, usually I'd be like, I'm all over that. I'll go through that twice just for fun. Yeah. No, now I'm like, how can I get around this entire brush field without messing up my stuff? Like, I, I, look I don't at like today, it. Though, <laughs> there's, a, there's quite a few out there that are... Like pretty decently priced. Yeah. But if I was looking at a gun, like, like there's so many that I just just I just rule them out. Like I I want one that's a, a pump. I don't know why. I just kind of like the pump. I think it makes me focus a little more. I'm shooting. Yeah. And then uh, not so quick to the trigger with an auto. Yeah. Or you or just don't blast through you know yeah. three shots before you're really actually on the bird. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the option for a three and a half inch. You know I, I typically shoot like two and three quarter three inch shells, but the option to have the three and a half inch. Like trying to narrow down my search, and then it's like camo. I want the camo, but they're like it's an extra hundred bucks for camo. I'm like oh, okay, I don't want the camo. <laughs> yeah. Take that off there. Man. Yeah, overrated. Uh, hey, Sims. Sims has come out with uh, new river camo stuff. Uh, it's an interesting, really? interesting. But fish can see you, man. If you go, you go on trips to New Zealand or Argentina, or honestly, even here, it's there's fishing guides will make you turn your jackets inside out or. Or whatever. If you're if you're sight fishing, you don't want to be out there with a big jacket on. Yeah. Right. I'm like, Stand I think it's out. an interesting concept, and I also don't. I don't really understand why any company hasn't gone there right yet. With I think it's, I think it's a, a lot of it's more of a movement thing, though, for me. It, that's just that's, like that's very true. I don't know. Even mm-hmm. big game hunting, duck hunting, mm-hmm. now fishing. It's like I'm not if you're, if you're moving. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna see you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's true. It's very true. Especially with big game because they got this, the the. Their eyes on the side. Oh of the yeah, head, so like they like are any prey. type of yeah. movement. They're all looking. I mean, that's why I never understood when everyone's like, "Oh, you're wearing orange shirt and rifle season. They're gonna see you." Oh no, they might, but they're if I'm not moving, they're not gonna care. They're colorblind. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, you gotta be totally camoed out so no one can see you. It's like, yeah, no, okay. it's all about pattern. Like, it's a whole yeah. like thing yeah. to it. But I just never understood why people freak out about that. Like, they'd rather be wearing safe wearing. Totally blacked out, or even tan or brown colors, and semi-safe. Yeah. <laughs> it's been orange. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's uh, sit still. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's the biggest advice still. I can give. Like <laughs> wear the, earth tone colors unless it's rifle season, then you have to wear orange. Yeah, well, those, well, those carp like this weekend. You'll scare too. those carp off. Like a lot of times, you're you'll know they're there because you'll see a dust plume. Yeah. Well, a mud plume, not dust. There. Um. Um. Yeah. So, basically, I just got one more kind of quick question um, before we wrap it up here. So we're at right right about an hour. Um, so if you had to choose one activity to do the rest of your life and it being like outdoor specific, like what, what would you go with? September archery elk season. September archery elk season. Ah, dude, it makes my hair stand up when I hear those bulls screaming. It's Mm -hmm. the eight, 900 pound animal going to town like that and. It's amazing. It's pretty cool watching them do their thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I probably probably have to go with uh, fall steelhead. You know, October, November, we still can get out there. You might be able to catch a day to wet wade and uh, catch steelhead. And that's, to me, that's, doesn't get much better than that. Catching steelhead when it's not 10 degrees below zero. (laughs) (laughs) Some, some, there's there's not a lot like uh, steelhead on the fly. Tell you what. It's uh, one of those things I think everyone has to do once, or else you're not living. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think mine would probably be early season archery whitetail. Just the time sitting. I mean, sitting in a tree stand can be a little bit grueling, mm. but for some reason I keep going back. Yeah. So that would probably be my one thing. Yeah. But anyways, we'll wrap it up there. I appreciate you guys coming in and stopping by and... Uh, recording this it was a lot of fun yeah, yeah. absolutely thanks for having yeah. us i was like Thank you. i uh oh real quick awesome. let's plug your instagram oh yeah here. yeah you know if you if you guys like uh so hit this hit the like button smash the like button smash the follow button uh yeah. my handle's flossing trout on instagram so if you guys like to see a thousand pictures of the same fish check it out so yeah <laughs> always always posting fish photos cool <clears throat> and then as for the broadcast one um Obviously, if you're uh, at this, you're listening to it on some sort of media outlet. We're on a few different ones now. Uh, the website, nwblindcast.com. We're on Stitcher. We're on a couple other ones, like I said. And then to follow us on Instagram, be uh, Blindcast1. So I appreciate you guys listening, and we'll catch you from another Cast from the Blind. Well, I hope you enjoyed another episode of Blindcast. If you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at Blindcast1. Again, that's Blindcast1 on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and hope you tune in next time for another Cast from the Blind.